Well, good morning and good to see each of you today. We've been looking at the topic of covenant these past few Sundays. We talked about the covenant and baptism. Uh, then we talked about, uh, started talking about Abraham, covenant and Abraham uh, last Sunday morning. And today I want to continue that. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. And I think we have... We have room for one of the verses, but uh, I'm going to start in Genesis 25, verse uh, 21. Speaking on the subject of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the covenant that began with Abraham and runs through Isaac and also Jacob. Genesis 25 and verse beginning in verse 21. Isaac prayed to the Lord to be his wife. Uh, Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife. He didn't pray to the Lord to be his wife. He prayed to the Lord for his wife. That would be weird. (laughs) Because she was barren. Uh, By the way, uh, if you've read uh, in Genesis, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, they married... Uh, in this order, Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel. I get them mixed up sometimes. But it's interesting that all three of these wives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, were barren and unable to bear children. And it shows you, I think God is is illustrating the that the line of God's people requires a supernatural element to it. There's a divinity about it, a touch from heaven that's on it. And this this is what you have here, is that uh, Rebekah could not conceive, so the the Lord answered his prayer, verse 21, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Verse 22, the children struggled within her, so she had... Uh, twins, she was pregnant with twins, and she prayed to the Lord, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? Why am I having a difficult pregnancy? Notice how they prayed about everything. And she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord told her, verse 23, there are two nations in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. The King James, I like the King James actually here. It says there are two manner of people that are in your womb. Now, let's pause right there now, and let me just back up and give you a little bit of background. The names of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are joined together almost every time uh, promises are fulfilled that God had made. Uh, Whenever God intervenes or redeems or rescues His people, uh, Exodus 3.15, for example, tells us why God 
rescued the people of Israel from Egyptian bondage. He says, God said to Moses, Say to this people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, notice that, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered through all generations. What is his name? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And that's the way he wants to be remembered. He's identified himself with... Remember when we talked about covenant, you, you take the name of the party? Uh, one of the, in, in condescension, in, in humbling himself, God takes the name of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so as you go through the scriptures, um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are shortened down to Jacob. Jacob becomes the prototype of the covenant people. For example, Deuteronomy 32.9, the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, in, a, in an extended parallel, he says, Jacob is his allotted inheritance. He, he refers to the entire nation as Jacob. Deuteronomy 33, 4, Moses commanded us a law. It's the possession for the assembly of Jacob. The people of Israel, when they would gather to hear the teaching, that gathering was called the assembly of Jacob. So Jacob becomes very important uh, in the life uh, or in the storyline of the Bible. Uh, Just as uh, confirmation, if you start in Genesis, you'll find that there's one chapter given to the creation narrative, to the story of creation. Jacob's story starts in Genesis 25, and the story of Jacob, the origins of Jacob's 12 sons and the 12 tribes, starts in Genesis 25 and goes all the way to the end of Genesis chapter 50. Creation gets one chapter, Jacob and his 12 sons get 25 chapters. That's significant. And Psalm 147, verse 19, God says, He declared, He showed His word to Jacob, His statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. Oh, the privilege of being an Israelite, to have the words of God given to them, the statutes, the rules. Uh, Paul says in Romans 3, 1, what advantage is there in being a Jew? By the way, Jew is a word which came from Judah, which is one of the sons of Jacob, one of the 12 sons. What's the advantage of being a descendant of Jacob? Much in every way. But he says, first of all, they have been entrusted with the words of God. 
That was their greatest privilege that God had spoken to them and handed to them, deposited in the cradle of Israel, the Holy Scriptures in the Old Testament. And the patriarch Jacob is actually the embryo of Israel, the the prototype of God's chosen people, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And I probably don't need to remind you that Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob's name was changed in Genesis thirty-two twenty-eight. God changed it to Israel, which means a prince with God or one who prevails, according to which commentary you read. But let's, let's look now at our text, because this is the beginning of, of God's chosen people. This is the source. We're tracing, we're tracing the stream back to the fountain. We're, we're going to go, go ride the river all the way back to the waterfall that produced it. And here is the fountain of grace. It's the first thing you notice here in verse 23 is that when Rebekah prayed, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. The the Hebrew word for nations is very common in Judaism. The Hebrew word is goyim. And it's almost always translated as Gentiles. In the King James Version, it's translated as heathen. <laughs> uh, Psalm 2.1, why do the heathen, the goyim, rage and people imagine a vain thing? God, God told Israel if they disobeyed the covenant, Leviticus 26.33, I will scatter you among the heathen, that is among the goyim. Goy, G-O-Y-I-M, simply means the Gentiles. Now what God says here... What's interesting about it is, he says, two nations, two goyim, are in your womb. In other words, Jacob and Esau are both the same. They're both little heathen. Have you ever heard that? Uh, You ever heard kids being called, well, get you little heathen and come on. We, they used to refer to little kids as little heathen back when I, when I was growing up. They were not referring to me, by the way. I was always a good little heathen. But, but what God is saying to the mother is, they're both little heathen. There's no difference in them. Now, you won't get this on a typical Jewish website, but I'll tell you, God defines both the both Jacob who became Israel and Esau who became the Edomites as heathen goyim <laughs> The both of these babies are the same The point is what am I am I hitting something what am I doing That's me Ta-da. 
Now, here's, my, here's, here's what God is saying to Rebecca. They're both the same. They're both goyim. The differences are going to be made by me. There, two nations are in your womb, two peoples from within. They're going to be divide, divided. Uh, one will be stronger than the other, and one will serve the other. One, the older will serve the younger. I'm going to define their destiny. So that's one point. First uh, Corinthians four verse six and seven says, "No one of you should be puffed up one against the other, for who makes you to differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive receive as a gift?" So that's one thing about Jacob and Esau, especially as we look at Jacob. Now, the other uh, point to make here is that it is God's blessing and favor is going to be upon the weaker, not the stronger. He says, the one will be stronger than the other, the older will serve the younger. So she, she gives birth to these two babies. Esau, actually, verse 26 Esau actually comes out first with Jacob hanging on his heel. So he's the firstborn. And as they grew up, verse 27 says that Esau was a skilled hunter. Now, there's a Hebrew word that should be familiar to some of you. Yada. Y'all know yada. Adam knew Eve. And she conceived. New is yada. He was a yada hunter. That means he, he was an expert. He knew everything about hunting. And he loved it with a passion. He was, he was on the front of Sportsman's Magazine. That was Esau. It was his girlfriend. He's married to hunting. He's the guy who at 3 a.m. can get up without an alarm clock and feels giddy about driving up north, being out in the woods for a week without anything close by to help, and then comes home and can't get up and be at church by 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. That is Esau. <laughs> now, he's, got, he's in love. He was a yada hunter, a skilled man of the field. But Jacob, what was he? He was a quiet man, verse 27, dwelling in tents. He he was a homebody. And Isaac loved Esau, verse 28, because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. He was a mama's boy. Younger, he's the younger. He's the quieter. He's a mama's boy. He's a stay-at-home kind of guy. He loves to cook. He's a little weird. You know, uh, the word, it might be pressing it a little bit, uh, but the word that I thought of, not sure it's accurate, but this is what came to mind. Jacob was a little bit of a sissy. That's what I thought. 
I, like I said, I, I'm not pressing it. But he was the one you would not expect to become the great patriarch and leader of Israel. God chose, called the weaker and the younger, the less likely to be the father of the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. It's going to be to Israel that Moses comes to to deliver them from Egypt. It's Israel that is given the old covenant at Mount Sinai. It is Israel that receives manna from heaven, an experience no other nation has experienced. It's Israel that sees the walls of Jericho fall and the sun stand still. It's Israel that produces teenage David who brings down Goliath single-handedly. And it's to Jacob that the Messiah will come in the future. It's not going to be called the house of Esau. It's going to be called the house of Israel and Jacob. And so we are not surprised when we read in Genesis 27 and verse 41 that Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. Abraham to Isaac, who gets in the line of the blessing? Not the firstborn, as you would expect, not the great leader, but Jacob the homeboy, the cook. And Esau thinks, that should be me. Because you have to remember also that the firstborn also got two-thirds of the property in Deuteronomy 17. So Esau's, I should be, I should be that guy. I should be the leader of this family and the prototype of God's people. He hated Jacob, Genesis 27, verse 41. And Esau said, when my father dies and the funeral's over, I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. I want to pause just for a moment and trace that just a little bit because um, here is a verse. I don't think we have this on the screen, but I'm going to give this to you. Esau ultimately produced a small nation called the Edomites. E-D-O-M-I-T-E-S. Genesis 36, verse 9. These are the generations of Esau, the father of Edomites in Mount Seir. That's where they lived. Mount Seir. They moved far south, almost into Egypt. And I want to show you now a picture of Mount Seir today. This is where the Edomites live, the descendants of Esau. That's Mount Seir. They actually had a capital, uh, Petra. Give me the next one up. You can see the ruins of what used to be Probably a thriving city or village, at least one of them. And you wonder, by the way, uh, 
just to contrast that, I want to show you Tel Aviv in Israel. Show me Tel Aviv. <laughs> That's the contrast. These are the people of Jacob. Three and a half million right there in one city. So it's a financial center in Israel on the coastline. Uh, go back up to one. Go back up. And there's Esau's descendants. <laughs> well, so Esau hated Jacob. And you wonder why is that so desolate? And let me show you. Do we have Ezekiel 35 on that, on the screen? I think I put that up there. I'm going to read Ezekiel 35. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set your face against Mount Seir. What is Mount Seir? That's the Edomites. Remember it said in Genesis 36, 9, these are the generations of Esau, father of Edomites, in Mount Seir. Well, here, Ezekiel is prophesying against Mount Seir, the Edomites. And say to it, thus says the Lord, behold, I am against you, Mount Seir, and I will stretch out my hand against you and make you a desolation and a waste. I will lay your cities waste, and you will become a desolation, and you'll know that I am the Lord. Um, And then look at the reason. Verse 5. Because you cherished perpetual hatred. What began with Jacob and Esau? Esau hated Jacob and was going to kill him. In fact, Jacob had to run. He was gone for 20 years. And the Edomites picked that enmity up. See, hostility can go from one generation to the next. Hatfields and McCoys. They fought for generations. It was a hundred years before their families met together in Kentucky and reconciled to a certain extent. And even then, I think they carried guns. But Jacob and Esau and their, their descendants hated each other. And God says, I, because of your perpetual hatred, I'm going to desolate you. And he did. You can see it in modern day Mount Seir. Now, I think what I want to do is basically make three main points. And we're going to put these verses. I'm going to give you the verses rather than the points up here. Uh, As you look at this prototype of Jacob, the God's chosen one, and how he is a picture of God's people through the ages and actually becomes known as the Israel, the nation, the chosen people. Into the New Testament, those who are in Christ are God's chosen people. Um, Let me just point out three things this morning. One is this. God's people are often characterized by great weakness. God did not choose the likely candidate, but rather He decreed that the younger, 
The older would serve the younger one. The weaker one would prevail. And we have 1 Corinthians 1.26, familiar to many of you. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you are wise. Can I get an amen? Uh-huh. Not many are powerful. Not many are of noble birth. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak. God chose what is low. And why? Verse 31, so that those who boast will boast in the Lord. See, we, what do we have to really to brag on? The biggest thing about us is we are, the, and, and the, the, a common characteristic of God, all God's chosen people is they are a little weird. There's something wrong with you. You were created like that so that you would look to God. And when you have something good, you say, couldn't have been from me. Must have been God, praise God. (laughs) See, so that those who boast will boast in the Lord. That is the common denominator of God's chosen people. They recognize that all their good is from their God. So Moses stuttered. Paul persecuted. Peter vacillated. Moody was uneducated. Luther was temperamental. Augustine was immoral. David was a failure. Joel Osteen, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, poor uh, no okay okay we'll leave him out <laughs> so you're flawed oh I guarantee you that he's got his flaws we're all flawed it's the common denominator that God's people often exhibit such great weakness, they're often afflicted with a lifelong problem that seems irresolvable. And it's a source of misery. It's a thorn in their flesh. And it makes them look to God. There's a reason y'all are here today. And I doubt it's uh, the wonderful preaching. I'm guessing it's because you feel like you need to meet God today. God's people often exhibit some great weakness or combination thereof. Here's a second point. This has to be stated, and it's that Jacob was chosen, his life was defined, his destiny formed before he was born. God did that on purpose. Now give me Romans chapter 9. And verse 10, we got 10 and 11. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this. When Rebekah, this is Romans 9, 10. When Rebekah conceived children by one man, even Isaac, 
though they were not yet born and had done neither good or bad. Amen? They were both little goyim, little heathen. They had done neither good nor bad. But in order that God's purpose of election might continue or, or, or stand out, be publicized, be public, that, the, that God's purpose in election might stand out, that is, that it is not of works, but because of his call, it was said, the older will serve the younger. I want you to notice that. God chose Jacob. This is where you get the idea of the chosen people. And the reason he did it is to publicize election, sovereign election. You get some churches, it's like they are ashamed of Romans 9. I had a preacher tell me one time, he said, I'll never preach through Romans because I don't want to deal with Romans 9. God wants Romans 9 dealt with. He wants election to continue or to stand out. The word comes, uh, the Greek word means uh, to stand up like a resurrection. He wants it to pop up. And, he, and the reason he chose Jacob before he was born, before either one of them had done good or bad, was he wanted it known that their future, his, Jacob's destiny, was produced by God's call. Not because he went to school and went to Harvard and worked hard, pulled himself up by his bootstraps. It was because God intervened in his life from the time he began and that there was no explanation in him to produce it. See, no explanation there. God went, God started with him before he was born in order to confirm it and publicize it. Once again, so let those who boast, boast in the Lord. We boast in the Lord. Praise and worship is a characteristic of God's chosen people. Somebody might say, but wait now, I I believed. We're supposed to believe. Amen. We should believe. We must believe. But listen at Acts 1827, Apollos, the the preacher of the gospel, went and helped those, taught those who through grace had believed. What is it that produces our believing? Uh, We're tracing the stream back up to the fountain. It's the grace of God. The grace of God produced your faith and drew you in. that election might stand up and be publicized. I tell you the gist, get the gist of what I'm saying to you this morning, is that God worked in your life, He did it by grace, there was no explanation in you, and He did it to to show and exhibit His sovereignty over you, and to show that He is merciful and good to you. And And your lack of performance will not cancel it out. Here's point number three. And for this, I'm going to turn you over to Genesis 33. Genesis 33. And we'll start reading in verse 8. My third point is basically this. 
is that we have, if being a, one of God's chosen people and being, and being part of his congregation of Jacob, as the prototype Jacob illustrates, is such a privilege we can lose everything and still have everything. In Genesis 33, Jacob has been running from Esau. And he's been with his father-in-law, and he's come back, and he's prospered, and he's got hundreds of sheep and cows and goats, wagon loads of goods. And he hears that Esau is coming to meet him with 400 soldiers. Now, Jacob has no soldiers. He's just got a family. And Esau is bearing down on him. And Jacob is so afraid that he goes and prays all night long. That's where his name was changed to Israel in chapter 32. Jacob gets this idea that he will now send ahead to meet Esau a bunch of sheep and servants to say, Esau, these are all yours. And then another drove. They'll come in waves, goats, cows, calves, wagon loads. Then behind that will be the servants. Behind them will be Leah and her children. And behind her will be Rachel. And behind Rachel will be little Joseph in his little colored coat. And Jacob is going to send them ahead. It's like, please take these. Take this. Take this. Be appeased. Let's pick this story up. Basically, Jacob sends everything he has. This is in This is in chapter what we're looking in chapter 33 now. And verse 8. Esau says, "What do you mean by all this company that I have met?" And Jacob answered him, "To find favor in the sight of my Lord. He's trying to appease him, find favor. And Esau said, verse 9, I have enough. Now that Hebrew word, if you, do, if you mark in your Bible at all, you're going to want to mark this. That Hebrew word is rab, r-rab, r-a-b. And it means uh, abundance. It has the idea of I have a lot. It's used, uh, Genesis 30, verse 43. He increased, increased greatly and had large flocks, rab flocks. Lots of flocks. That's the word used by Esau in verse 9. He's saying, Jacob, I don't need what you're trying to give me here. I have large flocks. I have abundance. That's the idea. And Jacob, verse 10, says, No, please, if I have found favor in your sight, accept my present, for I've seen your face. It's like seeing the face of God, and you accepted me. 
please accept my blessing that is brought to you because God, notice this. Esau just says, I have abundance. Jacob says, God has dealt graciously with me. And I have not grab enough, but coal, K-O-L. Now, I do not understand why the English Standard Version translates both of those Hebrew words by the word enough. I don't understand that. They They don't mean the same thing. When Esau says to Jacob, I have enough, he means I have a lot. I have an abundance. But when Jacob says, God has dealt graciously with me, and I have cold, K-O-L, which means all. Inevitably, every translation. And this word is used hundreds, literally hundreds of times. You scroll through all the times. It's always translated all. It's translated, for example, in verse 13, that last where it says all the flocks, one day all the flocks will die. All, that's the word coal, translated enough up in verse 11. It means, it's, it's used in, in chapter 34, verse 29, and translated, nothing is left out. All, it's in entirety. It's translated in Leviticus eleven thirty-five by the word everything. Everything. I have everything. You have abundance. You know what I have? As God's chosen people, graciously given to me, He chose me. He forgave me. He protected me. He blessed me. He has provided for me. He has given me promises. And I have everything. So I can give you whatever it takes. You know, it's in the context of giving away everything that Jacob said, I have everything. Here's everything. But now, I have everything. What an incredible concept of life from God's chosen people. Do you know you can lose everything and have everything left when you're God's chosen people? What else matters when God has dealt graciously with you? I'll just give you this one final verse because I want you to see that this is in the New Testament as well. That the chosen of God, no merit on their own, their destiny made by God, can give it all away and still have everything. What an incredible, what an incredible statement of faith by Jacob. 1 Corinthians 3.21 Look at this. Let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. Paul, whether Paul, see they were glorying in Paul. One was Apollos, others Peter. He said, don't don't make a big deal out of people, preachers. They're yours. I'm I'm an apostle, but God gave me to you. I'm yours. And by the way, every preacher needs to be reminded the congregation is not his. He is theirs. 
And Paul says, this is for you. You're the chosen people. I'm a servant sent to you. So is Apollos. So is Peter. What about the world? The world is yours. It may be in the resurrection. But you know, you can walk outside and look at the blue sky. You can feel the sunshine. The world belongs to you. And in the resurrection, you're going to rule over it. And he says, life, all of life, even death. What does death do? It's just a tunnel through which you go to God. Things present, things to come, all are yours. You are Christ's. In the covenant with which you come to Christ, find yourself among God's chosen people. Everything is yours. There's nothing like this. There's nothing like this in all the world. Let praise erupt. Let joy overflow. Let happiness begin right here. Praise God. Let's bow together. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you have intervened and interrupted our lives by your grace. And I thank you today that through Jesus Christ and his redeeming merits, we now stand in that long line of Israelites. We're among the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Make our hearts volcanic with praise for your grace in our life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.